Stories with unexpected twists and turns seem to be all the rage these days. But what about a story where even the writers don't know what's coming? Welcome to The Story Symphony, the collaborative fiction podcast where each chapter of the story is written by an entirely different person. You, the listener, won't have any idea what to expect next. And neither will we, the writers. So strap in and let's see where The Story Symphony will take us today. You're listening to Chapter 5, Smells Like Trouble, by Rebecca Huang. And here we go. Al was a big, rugged guy with a chummy demeanour, kind of like a gentle giant. He looked like someone who, despite whatever was going on, would crack open a beer for you and tell you everything was going to be alright. I'm sticking with the salad sandwiches this month. I'm calling it the Sanger Diet. Al took a quick glance at his tiny wristwatch, an almost unnoticeable piece of equipment that miraculously housed every piece of real-time information you would ever need. Like the optimal time to wake up to avoid peak hour traffic in the morning, or that the salad sandwich you had just consumed contributed exactly nil calories to your body. Apollo's workshop was a stone's throw away. We probably could have walked there, but I assumed she was eager to take her car for a spin. It wasn't even necessary to learn to drive these days, with self-driving cars and all, but she came across as a nostalgic soul. Inside the dimly lit workshop was a long roll of refurbished vintage petrol cars in mint condition, with some models I'd never seen before. While I never developed a large enough interest in cars to know much about them, her collection certainly looked impressive. Vanessa picked up the green fluorescent telebook, rebooted it, and walked over to inspect the old station wagon. Still no sign of her. Al and I had no luck just now at the library either. Still no sign of who? My friend Laura, the one who passed away. This is going to sound a little strange, but I was actually with Laura today for a good couple of hours. Wait, what? I first saw her during the airport attack. We're both archived, but come to think of it, I don't think she's aware of the archive situation. We both visited you at your apartment, but she suddenly disappeared. I think she said something about finding her boyfriend. Paul, did she say where she was going? Unfortunately not. Laura was one of our first archives, but you could say the machine had teething issues. She wasn't archived properly, so the telebook, the cars... None of our systems, actually, have been able to detect her yet. We've been trying to track her down for a couple of weeks now. It's actually a big relief to hear you saw her. I just wonder where she's run off to now. Vanessa's gaze fixated on a spot in the distance, as though she was lost deep in thought, or something, or someone, was making her nervous. I stood by Vanessa in the kitchen as she waited for her beef pie to print. I had so many things to ask her, to tell her, but I figured it would be best to wait until we were alone. When she opened the printer oven, the smell of warm pie wafted through the air and I felt immediately comforted. When you're confronted by so much change, it's funny how the normal things don't seem so normal anymore. Oh, no, I'm not hungry, but that pie smells pretty incredible. Mmm. Wait. You can smell? I... I haven't really thought about it until just now, but... Yeah. 
This is the first time I've smelled something since the airport. It felt like an entirely new sensation. This must be how Peter Parker felt when he discovered he could shoot webs from his hands for the first time. Though, my case might be a tad less groundbreaking. Try this. Vanessa held up a black sharpie in the air in front of me. Nothing. Strange. You're only smelling the food being made by the 3D printer. She inspected the interior of the oven compartment, the robotic nozzle arm that crafted the food at hyperspeed, layer by layer. Interesting. Back at the dining table, Vanessa shared the phenomenon with the group. Now I wonder if the 3D printers can run on the same tech as the archive machines. It's possible. The way we negate things back into the world could be similar to the way printers negate calories. I think we should look into it. Do we have any contacts at the food lab? The food lab was the birthplace of negative calorie food and food printers, which eventually came to revolutionise the entire global food industry. Who wanted to order and wait for food to arrive when you could print almost anything you wanted in your own kitchen? The company had recently acquired KFC's top secret original recipe, which led to the shutdown of all KFC outlets around the world. As one of the largest employers of engineers and food scientists, the food lab had offices everywhere, and it wasn't rare to know a friend or two who worked at the company. Uh, Actually, I know someone who works at the food lab office in Richmond. Norton Lee. Someone I've been training. Never gives me a discount, sadly, but I could get in touch with him. I think it's worth a shot. Let's go there first thing in the morning. Great work, mate. I must note this was my first contribution to the team mission, so naturally I did a silent fist pump. Nobody could see me anyway. Apollo's spare bedroom was adorned by memorabilia of race car drivers from the 2000s. Michael Schumacher, Lewis Hamilton, a tribute to the Formula One races that electrified a nation. Sure, the new self-driving cars ran at 10 times the horsepower, but pitting robot against robot just wasn't quite the same. Vanessa was lying in bed wearing an oversized t-shirt, her hair in a big, wet knot, her cheeks still rosy pink from the long, steamy shower. The palm-sized brick that bridged my reality with hers lay next to her on a bedside table. Kyle? Uh, I'm here. It's, uh, it's been a pretty crazy day. I was lying on the bed next to her, ten inches away from her, but for some reason I felt really far away. Part of me didn't want to uncover why she had felt she needed to hide things from me. I wondered whether it was her way of compartmentalizing her life, to fuel her desire to be a part of something reckless and, at the same time, to feel like she could be a normal, perfect girlfriend for me. A girlfriend who would have peanut butter on toast with me every morning and made me sit through every soppy romantic comedy. For me, it's been a crazy few months. Laura only just started dating Paul in March this year. They met at a mutual friend's party one night and really hit it off. Laura was interning at the Medical Academy to design artificial skin for arson victims. Paul studied psychology, but it had been hard for him to pin down a job. Another case of humans being replaced by their digital counterparts. Robots were far superior at analysing body language to prescribe the right advice for patients. And perhaps the most important factor, they were much cheaper. When Laura introduced him, he said he wanted to give up on psychology and start something new, a business he could control. He wanted to build equipment that would prevent arsons in the first place, clearly influenced by Laura's work on arson victims. At first, it didn't seem like a bad idea. 
He said the government wasn't investing much to improve emergency services, so he was going to do something about it. That's when I was dragged in. It took some convincing, but eventually I agreed to help them out. I wasn't too surprised by this. Vanessa didn't say no to opportunities to prove herself. This is the spirit that makes her dive out of a plane despite a fear of heights, or to order the spiciest dish on the menu just to prove to herself that she can. It's what made me adore her. My first prototype failed badly. The sparks burnt a black hole in my shirt and singed my sleeve even though I covered myself in protective gear. I made seven prototypes. The final design was a hose that looked like a giant snake lined with millions of little nodes that mopped up flames like a vacuum. I showed the blueprints to Laura, then later to Paul. A couple of days passed and we didn't hear back from him. Another week? Nothing. He ghosted me. Not just me, but also Laura. She visited his apartment, but he had already fled. It's still a mystery whether Paul sold the equipment to the firefighters or if he was one all along. But when I found out they reverse-engineered my designs to create weapons, I was so furious. Myself, at him. The mess we were in. It's not your fault. We sent anonymous letters to the police to spell out the details we could remember about Paul. Laura also began noticing a strange pattern of recommendations online for cheap hotels and activities to do in Sri Lanka. So we eventually figured Paul must have used her computer to search up flights to Sri Lanka before he disappeared. I was determined to go there to find him. But if I was honest with myself, I had no idea how or where. But it was the only lead we had. That explains why Laura was waiting for you at the airport. Kyle, I can't... I can't shake the thought that Laura's death, the timing of it all, it couldn't be a coincidence. Something still didn't click. That day when Laura's mum called and you made me clear out her belongings. It was actually Al on the phone. He told me Laura had a registered library card and there was a possibility she could have been archived. I kept you occupied in her room while I was outside trying to trace her with the teller book. I looked like an idiot running around with a fluorescent green book. Well, I don't know who's been looking like the bigger idiot. (laughs) Kyle, I'm, I'm sorry. About everything. It's okay. We talked until one in the morning. Eventually, she fell asleep next to me. I lay still on the bed for a couple of minutes, fully awake, until it dawned on me that archives probably didn't need sleep. I was feeling restless, so I ventured outside. It was a lot to take in. I felt a sting from being left out of all of this, but... At the same time, I couldn't help feeling my admiration for Vanessa grow. She was a part of something so much bigger than herself. Along with Al, Apollo and Laura. Lost in my own thoughts, I walked on blissfully unaware of my surroundings until I suddenly realised I'd ended up in the middle of the city. Melbourne was trying to earn the reputation of the Australian city that never sleeps. A group of teenagers clad in op-shop dungarees were wolfing down trays of tacos. A waiter at the pub was touting free shots to unsuspecting bar hoppers passing by. The streets were lit up by flashing neon lights. There was a giant poster of Justin Timberlake's Golden Years comeback tour, the singer that just refused to retire. 
In one of the alleyways, I noticed some peculiar black marks on a concrete wall. Initially, I thought it was graffiti, but upon closer inspection, I realized there were burn marks. They seemed to follow a strange pattern. I took several steps backwards, then I froze. The burn marks spelled Vanessa, and I could only deduce the firefighters were responsible. As the first drops of sunlight adorned the city, I started to make my way back to her. Vanessa, Al, and Apollo and I arrived at the food lab, a stunning white cube of a building with floor-to-ceiling glass revolving doors. Inside, the decor was sleek and minimalist. Welcome to the food lab. Norton soon emerged in the hallway. It was the first time I saw him without lycra. He was wearing stylish gold-rimmed glasses. During our personal training sessions, he would vent about his long hours, the work-life balance he compromised in order to work for the state's top technology firm. I explained to him my situation as he listened through the walkie-talkie. His facial expressions changed from shocked to puzzled to quiet nods. This is pretty extraordinary, <laughs> and a little on the creepy side, but I'll try to help you guys out as much as I can. He led us through a labyrinth of white corridors, passing an impressive warehouse lined with hundreds of assembly lines. Now those firefighters that were arrested yesterday, they were all jobless delinquents. They attacked our lab a few weeks ago and we lost an entire storage warehouse. This is our research and development room. Compared to the rest of the building, this looked like a school cafeteria. There was a trail of jam smeared across the ceiling with a row of giant croissants the size of footballs at the back of the room. Popcorn crumbs crunched under our feet as we continued inside. It's a little messy. We're actually in the process right now of launching a new French breakfast menu. <laughs> At least it smells nice. It was right. The room smelled divine. Sweet, sugary, buttery smell wafting through the air. It all felt a little Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. That's my phone. It's an unknown caller, sorry. Let me get this. Hello? Who's this? Wait! Who was that? Who called you? V Vanessa? Vanessa? Who was that? Today's chapter is written by Rebecca Huang, who grew up in Melbourne but is now based in Kuala Lumpur, living and breathing her dream job in tech as a product manager. She takes any opportunity to dance, meet loved ones over delicious food, or hop on a plane to her next travel destination. Her interest in the story symphony stems from her love for podcasts, particularly great storytelling. Her favourite listening includes 99% Invisible, 996, and of course, the ubiquitous true crime podcast, Serial. So who knows what's going to happen next? Well, we certainly don't, but I'm just as excited as you are to see where the next writer will take us. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at The Story Symphony to stay up to date with all the latest news and goss, and to let us know what you think about the story so far. 
Kyle was voiced by actor and comedian Angus Brown, who you can find on Twitter and Instagram at Gus Gus Brown or on Facebook at Angus Brown Comedy. Vanessa was voiced by actor Maddie Tyres, who you can find on Instagram and Twitter at Maddie Tyres. Katrina Apollo was voiced by actor Tess McCaig, who you can find on Instagram at Tess McCaig. Al was voiced by actor Jimmy James Eaton, who you can find on Instagram and Twitter at Jimmy James Eaton. I also made an appearance as Norton. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at the Adrian Young. And as always, a special shout out to our creative lead, Leanne Miyako. You can find her on Instagram at Leanne Bakes Things. Until next time.